1: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
0: on this episode of the heat check we gotta talk about the warriors again i am so so tired of it but this team just can't stop shit in the bed folks we get into their worst loss and I think two years. We aggregate all the trade rumors worth discussing and we even have a special interview with CBS Sports Radio's Bill Ryder. It is a snow day, so let's get right into it, Anthony, and drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. <sighs> we gotta talk about the Warriors again. While everybody's attention was on Super Wild Card Weekend, especially the surprise Monday doubleheader. Our dubs, our dubs, rolled into Memphis on what was supposed to be a get right spot. I don't mean this with any shade to the Memphis Grizzlies, but they were down four starters. Desmond Bain just tore up his ankle, grade three, probably out for the rest of the season. Uh, no Steven Adams, no Jaw, no Marcus Smart. It is just a bad situation right now. 80% of the Memphis starting lineup was in street clothes. So it felt like, okay, this is the time where you want to back Golden State not only to win the game, but against the spread. Time for the Grizzlies to lay down and hibernate. Also, Warriors get Draymond Green back just in time to save the season. On MLK Day, no less. So, they should have beaten the Memphis Grizzlies, a.k.a. the Memphis Hustle, not so fast. Not only did the Grizzlies take a Fiskers splitting maul to the dome piece of our Dubs, they also laid out the plan for how you beat Golden State for all the bad teams in the league. First, you basically blitz Steph Curry on every possession. You just make his life so fucking difficult. Every damn shot. Body him. Have enough depth to continue to bring guys one after the other. The second quarter, by the by, the second quarter, Steph dribbled for 18 seconds trying to get loose while being guarded tight by a bunch of young guns from the Grizzlies who grew up with Curry posters all over their walls. With just a couple of seconds left on the shot clock, he puts up this lethal floater. He scored, but he had to work hard for it. 35-year-old Steph Curry cannot play basketball like that all game. No, he cannot. Not one day after another, his legs were feeling it in the second half. The end product of wearing Steph out came with the Warriors rallying in crunch time when he turned into a double team, couldn't get his dribble right, gets his pocket picked, leading to a Grizzlies fast break bucket and a pad of the lead that the Grizzlies never, ever gave up. He had 26. That's not enough for Steph Curry. You could fully accept that if you were playing the Warriors because he has five turnovers and three threes. The Dubs have won exactly two games this season when Steph has more turnovers than made threes. It is bad on the streets right now for the Warriors. Secondly, here's the blueprint. You don't need to beat the Warriors by pounding the paint. Their perimeter defense is so bad, all you need is guys that will hit open shots. My man Jaron Jackson was 4 for 20, and the Grizz still dominated by going to the line 40 times. Luke Kennard, Vince William Jr., who has been balling, by the way, forward G.G. Jackson, the rookie, combined 20 for 23 from the charity strike, owning the perimeter all game, shooting 54 threes against an absolutely terrible warm Warriors perimeter defense. You take away Jaron Jackson and the rest of the Grizzlies, they shot 43% from three. Mostly because the Grizzlies were able to get in front, and they were there all night. And listen, the Warriors were a half second behind the ball pretty much all night because they are slow and they are old. Number three in the, war- in the Warriors, beat them the fuck-up blueprint. Take advantage of the fact that the Warriors can't protect the ball. Hassle them. Make their life a living hell, and they will make bad turnovers. That's what will happen. The young... Hustling Grizzlies had 13 steals, 10 blocks, and forced 19 Golden State turnovers. What a nightmare. Especially for Steph. Steph was so tired. So tired late in the game, and young legs will always prevail over old ones unless your team is a machine, and the machine is absolutely broken in Golden State right now. The Grizzlies beat the Warriors by 9 on a night when they shot 37% from the field while the Dubs shot 49%, they were out rebounded 45 to 42, out assisted 28 to 24, and outscored in the paint 62 to 20. That is not a typo. 62 to 20. They should have lost this game by double digits and they won despite getting statistically destroyed. The Grizzlies clap them, boys. And guess what? And guess what? And guess what? They're only three games behind Golden State in the standings right now, which really speaks more about the Golden State Warriors than anything else. But if you're the Grizzlies, you're licking your chops and you're saying, guess what? Would be nice to boot the asses out of the playoffs because they hate us and we hate them. And that's what the Warriors are going to face moving forward. There are plenty of teams that want to take them out. The blueprint's there. You got developmental minutes for guys like Shaden Sharp and G.G. Jackson and all the young guys for Utah where there's a plethora of them, Colin Sexton, and that's what they're going to want to do. Offense, take advantage of the perimeter mismatches against Steph, Clay, and Kaminga because Clay's so slow because they will foul you pretty much every time on defense. You just hassle Steph till his legs fall apart. Press everyone else because they're either old and slow or they're lost. Like Kaminga, he's lost. Let him shoot. Let Clay shoot because neither are good enough to beat you. Clay because his legs are toast. He's shooting 26% in clutch time right now this season. And Kaminga because he's too young. He's too dumb. Despite three years in the league, he gets lost for entire stretches of games. I think the formula works to beat the Dubs if you just accept the fact on occasion, Steph's gonna beat you by himself. But the blueprint's there. There is a reason that Bob Myers left the NBA and is now doing work for the NFL and, and talking on TV, on ESPN. Draymond said it, right, in his postgame. Until every guy takes pride in themselves and wants to stop the guy in front of him, we're going to suck. But here's the thing. It's not the effort that the Warriors lack. It's athleticism. It's execution. And neither of those folks get any better with age. Like I've said before, Looney is cooked. Wiggins... I have no idea what's going on upstairs. Draymond, cooked and maybe not sure what's going on upstairs. They're slow at every position. Even when the young guns like Pajemski, Trace Jackson Davis, they were not at all what anyone would call super athletic. It's just Kaminga and Moody who have uh, elite athleticism. One doesn't like playing defense, and the other one is getting DMPs. So what do you do? So many rumors this week about our doves making major moves at the deadline. Sam Vecini is saying Mike Dunleavy doesn't want to trade Moody or Kaminga. There's a lot of things I don't want to do. So what do you do if you're the Warriors? Mike Dunleavy apparently doesn't want to trade Moody or Kaminga, but let's be real, they're going to have to do some things that they don't want to do because nobody wants Chris Paul, nobody wants Klay Thompson, and their massive contracts. There are reports out there that Wiggins... Contract has now reached Ben Simmons status. It's probably going to mean that they have to attach a first-round pick just to get another team to take him, which is fucking crazy. So your only desirable pieces that you have are Moody, Kaminga, and Pajemski. And Pajemski's not going. He's not going whatsoever. His IQ is too high, and he's making too much of an impact. Here is the Kaminga paradox. In the last 11 Warriors games, Kaminga has started nine times. Our dubs are 3-8 and in those games. They are 12 and 13 in games where he comes off the bench. They are six and nine, nice, in games where he starts. They're also six and ten in games where Kaminga and Draymond both play. There's no combo where Kaminga makes a difference from a winning perspective, and he's really the only trade chip you, you have. So you have to get rid of him. Have to. I don't know what the answer is in Golden State, but as I said last week. Our dubs are basically Bernie's from Weekend at Bernie's, and we just get to see it every game. I'm sorry. This is it. The death knell was the Memphis Grizzlies G League team beating the shit shit out of the Warriors, and you just can't have that if you think that you're a real contender. Going to be fun watching this team erode. Our dubs keep your faith.
2: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile.
0: On. Lots popping midweek, so let's get into it. Let's delve into some recent trade rumors. The bell of this year's ball is DeJounte Murray. The Hawks are a dumpster fire. DeJounte Murray hasn't been great. And also, we just had reports that there were only two untouchables on Atlanta's roster Trey Young, which I can't understand, and Jalen Johnson. Two of Trey's representatives made it public that he wants to maybe go to San Antonio or OKC, where he could run the pick and roll with Victor for about 180 points a game. I don't know why OKC would want him. So they basically have one untouchable in Jalen that I agree with. He should not be traded under any circumstances. I love his game. He's, I love his body type. I love the way that he plays. But the rest of the roster is probably on the move. So we start with DeJounte Murray. Uh, he's kind of done in Atlanta. And how could you not be when you play with Trey Young, really? He's out the door. He knows he's getting traded. He's just putting his minutes in. They're playing him late in fourth quarters in, in in games where he does not need to be out there and the rest of the starters don't. And let's be real, like the combo of him and Trey Young just wasn't what they thought it was going to be because DeJounte Murray has not been playing defense. And instead of elevating each other's game, it kind of was just my turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. I think DeJounte is still a val- valuable asset to the right team, and especially considering they already play- paid three first-round picks for him. Most interested parties, Golden State and the Lakers. Lakers feel like the most likely destination. I kind of like him in L.A. I probably like him more in Golden State. They do need a shake-up L.A. They need to fa- find somebody who can get a bucket down the stretch. As we mentioned, it's unlikely that Golden State is going to move off of Kaminga or Moody. So without either or both, I'm not sure that the Hawks front office signs off on that trade. Sham says the Hawks are looking for two first-rounders in addition to matching salary or young players. So that's interesting. The other Hawk that's attracting interest is Clint Capella. At one point, Clint Capella was an elite rim defender, but he's just not been good at all right now he's been actually awful it's one of the reasons that the Hawks are getting cooked more or less two-thirds of the time but I think their team's interested in him starting with the Sacramento Kings I think they'd like him as a backup center they can move Domas to the four two that's his more natural position it would save D- Domas from banging down low in the box against other teams bigs also save him from getting into foul trouble other Hawks that could move, be moved Sadiq Bey he has shooting ability he can make threes He'd help some teams out, especially contenders like a Milwaukee Bucks. Bogdan Bogdanovich would be valuable in a place like Indiana, but he's $19 million a year, so I'm not sure that Indiana would want to pay that. DeAndre Hunter is making $20 million a year, which is shocking because he's not playing basketball games because he's injured, and that's $2 million more per year than DeJounte Murray. So he could be a salary filler. Maybe he needs a restart. A.J. Griffin could be an interesting piece, too. He's getting DNPs, and he played really well last year. He could be really helpful to a team that needs additional depth and role players. So, yeah, apparently the Hawks are selling it all, and it would seem like they are fully committed to a rebuild around Trey Young. When does Trey Young decide that he's not fully committed to the rebuild? We'll have to see. I'm not sure if it's a smart idea, but we are going to get back to it in the near future. Another name that's recently been put into the trade chopper is uh, Quentin Grimes. The Knicks don't seem to know what to do with them, so they're looking to move them in a trade to bring another piece around Jalen and OG. Buddy he still on the market, but the Pacers seem to value him. I I don't know why. He won't come cheap. The market for his skills, uh, while a lot of teams need him, won't come cheap enough for most franchises. Not surprisingly, Orlando... They have so many guards, they need to get rid of them soon, unfortunately. Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter are apparently, they are serious about moving them. I think both of those guys could be pretty valuable pieces for teams. I really do. I I like Markel Fultz, and I like Wendell Carter. I don't know why they're moving on from Wendell Carter, honestly. One player not in trade rumors. Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Nobody wants to absorb his contract. In part... He says he's he's just chilling. I'm just chilling. We're just vibing. In his normal charming tone, he says, "Well, unless I get a call from my agent, it's just another day at the office for me. I hate these guys from Seattle. I just can't stand them. They're annoying. The Bulls went 10 and 7 when he was out, and they are 9 and 15 when he plays. This is a case of the Bulls probably wanting to move off of Zach Levine, but other teams don't want to make." the moves to take on that salary because he's making $40 million a year. He misses a ton of time, and with that kind of cheddar, you're going to need some assurances that he's going to be able to contribute for a while. Lots of interest in the trade market, but not a lot moving other than the Wizards. Made one of the weirdest trades of the year. They traded Mike Muscala and Danilo Gallinari to the Pistons for Marvin Bagley, Isaiah Livers, and a pair of picks. This leaves the Pistons with $64 million in cap space for what? Who? Who wants to? Does anybody want to play in Detroit? Nobody? Spencer Dinwiddie? Malcolm Brogdon? Makes no sense that the Pistons would want to free up the logjam at center, but then they created one at forward. The Pistons, by the way, are 1-0 in the Muscala era, so you know me, I love Muscala. I love Mike Muscala. We'll get some real movement, I think, starting this week. Keep it tuned as we head in to the trade deadline. We end this episode with a special interview with CBS Sports Radio Basketball guru, Bill Ryder. He hosts a nationally syndicated show called Ryder Than You, 10 to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday on the Odyssey and CBS Sports Radio Network. He also joined my other show, BetMGM Tonight, where I was joined by my co-host, John Martin. Let's get right into it.
2: Here to help us break it all down, NBA insider Bill Ryder, CBS and CBS Sports Radio. He joins us now. Bill, what's going on, man? Appreciate the time as always. What's up, guys? Good to be back on. Yeah, man. So let's uh, let's jump into it here. Um, Denver is 28 and 13. They obviously employ the greatest player right now uh, in the world in, in the Joker. And they are still not the prohibitive favorite in the betting markets. They are still hanging around there at number two in the betting markets behind Boston. Depending on where you look, that could be four and a half to one, maybe better. Um, Is there still value in the Nuggets at four and a half to one, five to one, depending on, you know, what number you're getting right now?
1: I think there is. And I, I think there's a few reasons. Now, if you talk to GMs and scouts, right, there's sort of a, There's two camps. There's the camp that I'm in, the the argument that that appeals to me the most, which is that Denver has a very clear path forward. There are no real contenders at the level that Denver's at. The separation between Denver and everybody else is much wider than the separation between Boston and the East and everybody else, and that the landmines we thought would emerge, like the Phoenix Suns and others, aren't real. I I buy into that. You also look at the history of the NBA, and you have lots of teams that win multiple championships, not not always back-to-backs but that win them in Spurs. You have a a short, small number of teams that will win NBA championships over 5, 10, 15-year stretches. I personally think Phoenix is obviously vulnerable, will remain that way. I don't think the Warriors, the Lakers, are going to get right on any level that makes them a true contender with Denver. Everybody that's anybody in the NBA will tell you the Thunder are really fun, but they're too young. So, yeah, I think there's some value because I think Denver has the easiest path to make an NBA Finals for any of the teams that, to my eyes, look like real championship contenders this year.
0: I know that the trade rumors are swirling, Bill. And one of my favorite articles that you wrote was about the Atlanta Hawks and just how bad (laughs) things have been. (laughs) And they bring in Quinn Snyder. We talked a lot at nauseam about the organizational power structure there, which is nepotism beyond belief. But they are now, as we predicted together, an absolute disaster as promised. Everyone is on the table, but Trey Young and Jalen Johnson. What are you hearing on Atlanta's side of things on how to fix this? Obviously, DeJounte Murray, who they gave up three first round picks for, along with some swaps, is has been rumored to go to a bunch of places, but are they headed for a full rebuild? And if so, what's that mean for Trey Young?
1: Yeah, they may be. There are certainly m- multiple GMs who I have talked to who are licking their chops, or in some cases, if they're not buyers, just sort of interested in a gossipy kind of way about the idea that the wrestler family and Tony wrestler owns the team, Nick wrestler works in the front office, they really control operations. Some people will tell you Landry Fields, the GM, would push back on that. He certainly has to me. I think he's just saying what he has to say. But yes, there is a sense that there will be potentially a fire sale. The issue becomes how the Hawks value their assets compared to the rest of the league. And so take DeJounte Murray, for example. The Lakers are very interested and have had internal conversations about trying to bring Murray in, trying to bring bring, bring Levine in, one of those two guys. But the understanding that the Lakers have and other people is that Atlanta's going to want to recoup what they spent on, on Murray, and that is not realistic. That guys like DeAndre Hunter, who they paid, uh, are going to bring some kind of return is certainly unrealistic compared to what maybe they would have gotten a year or two ago. So, yeah, it's just a, it, it's a great question because the Hawks are – A dumpster fire, and they're a disaster, and things have not turned around under Quinn Snyder. But you're not going to get the return on the players that you need. Is what most people will tell you, unless you decide hell with it. Let's move on from Trey Young too. And at least so far, it doesn't sound like that is where that organization is.
2: Yeah, like that's a that's a really hard thing to you know look at your fans and, and, and say. And also, it's hard you know to to pull off if you're you know another team right because i just remember for how many years were we talking about the raptors doing something like this and i mean and i know ultimately they had they have done it they have finally shipped og out of there but for you know it felt like two trade cycles it was trying to get blood from a stone for og you could offer four first you could offer all these things and ultimately there just wasn't cooperation right so like It feels like anybody's available for, uh, uh, you know, everybody has a price, but it's like how many teams realistically are going to be able to meet a price? And then to me, that's like how serious are you when you start getting into that kind of territory? You know what I'm saying?
1: I do. And look, here's the other issue that that you face with, with Atlanta. And I'll just give you a perspective of multiple GMs and front office folks from teams that have contended for or won NBA championships over the last five, six, seven years. So that doesn't mean they're all right but there's a perspective that has coalesced around Atlanta that is at least worth listening to, and that is that um, Trey Young is really talented and really good, but there's a view that you can't win with the guy, that you cannot win with Steph Curry-Light who doesn't play defense and is not a culture guy. Now, you can push back on that. You can push back on whether he's a bad culture guy. Now, this is a guy, a dude that we know has been voted most overrated player in some player surveys. Uh, I can tell you from reporting at least under the Travis Schlenk regime was not loved in that in that locker room but even from a basketball sense there's just concerns you, you can't build a winner where, where he's the guy and if that's true, if that's accurate and that is a widespread view it puts you in a tough spot if you're at atlanta because it doesn't matter what you bring in if, if you need more than just Trey to be the, the center of the universe and it is harder to trade him for what you think the return is to your point to make your fan base happy because there's a lot of GM's out there who might take Trey Young if they're desperate but are not going to spend the world because they just don't think he's a difference exactly. maker the way that say Kawhi Leonard was when you brought him into Toronto and you put him into a pretty good culture and went to the next level.
2: Exactly. That's that's always the 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 quagmire. I'm here in Memphis, Bill, and so I saw up and up close and personal uh, the uh, the Warriors right. lose to our G League affiliate last night. Um, and obviously it was, you know, yeah, like you're like, oh great, GG Jackson, this is fantastic. Vince Williams, these guys maybe could be useful in two or three years. But obviously the the major takeaway is that's a Warriors team that had everybody back. This is Draymond's glorious return. Adam Silver convinced him, don't do it, big fella. Don't call it a career just yet, only for him to come back and lose to again the South Haven Grizzlies. Um, how do you unwind this? Because this is an unmitigated disaster, uh, and it's not going to get better, and they don't have that many assets, it feels like. So when you're, you know, trying to unwind and untangle a dynasty and compete and contend, Steph says he wants to stay. Okay, how do you even begin a process like that, Bill?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. By the way, great minds think alike, because I made the exact same non-joke joke about the g-league memphis grizzlies beating the warriors on cbs sports <laughs> hq it's, it's like exactly an hour the ago yeah no it's true so it's it's a great question and i think we're there's a good chance we're going to find out because mike dunleavy junior is obviously in charge of basketball ops now rather than bob myers so outside of staff there there are no sacred cows and i think but the answer the actual answer to the question is in the past tense which doesn't help anybody but the answer to the question was develop your young guys and, and i would point to Jonathan Kaminga but he's not the only one. Some of those guys have left and some have stayed. So that they are good enough to help you as your stars age and that was the plan. They just didn't execute it. I think that's on Steve Kerr and his rotations and some of the things his developmental approach with, with those young guys. It's too late now, right? They have to be good enough to help at this stage or good enough you can trade them for real assets. They failed in that respect and I think the other thing that needed to have happened is leadership and maybe these are connected in the locker room. That was the best locker room in the NBA and Draymond Green was a huge part of that. But from Jordan Poole to his suspension and his return, even, it went away. And I think you saw, you saw Draymond sort of lecturing the guys yesterday and doing his leadership thing and saying after the game, we got a, I think the quote was, man up and whatever it was. It, I'm told, and it looked like it did not resonate the same way. So I don't know what, I'm not sure what you can do, is the honest answer. I think there were solutions to this obvious reality that the Warriors players were going to get older. And that Stephman and Draymond and Clay, one of or two of those guys, and it's not Steph, it's the other two, weren't going to be at the same level. I think now you have two pass forwards. You hunker down and you try to make the play-in and be what the Lakers were last year, right, make a deep, surprising run, but you maybe go further because of Steph. Or, and this is probably the better approach, you blow the whole dang thing up outside of Steph And that includes, is there a return for Draymond Green? It's been lessened because of the drama. Is there a return for Clay Thompson? Are some of these young guys more valued around the NBA than they're valued within your team? But I think it's one extreme or the other. It's go with this group or blow it up and very quickly try to put a different group around Steph Curry.
0: Yeah, no doubt. You talked about Pascal Siakam and this Raptors team earlier a little bit with John. It's very strange, Bill, because Masai Ujiri has now lost multiple stars for nothing, does get end up something back from OG Ananobi, but now this Siakam thing looks like Siakam's not going to give anyone assurances of extending. He's testing free agency with everyone but Toronto. Do you think there's a, a reality, a scenario that exists where Masai's going to lose him for nothing too?
1: So it's a great question and I, it's well timed for me because I was making some calls today, and a Western Conference executive who is really close involved in a, in a front office that, that's that's active, right, just trying to get people, told me that Siakam is letting anybody who will listen know he will not stay, do not sign him, because he wants to stick around so it doesn't impact his ability for a massive, massive deal, right, with All-NBA and some of those things. And so to answer your question, yeah, I, I think Toronto is in a really tough spot because it sounds like Siakam's plan is to not be traded and and to just go into this thing have an utter and total freedom and to capitalize and maximize the the mega amount of money that that he's able to make and obviously if you're that organization you are in a rebuild you have to I think move on from that player he's not going to be there but the price is driven down and he may move but it's gonna be for a team that just does it as a rental because there's a risk he won't sign And, and obviously rentals bring back a lot less in return than someone who's willing to stick around.
2: We're talking to Bill Ryder, NBA insider for CBS, CBS Sports Radio. want to go back to Memphis really quickly because I think they have a very intriguing situation developing. Um, you know, you look at them on paper, and obviously this season is lost. Uh, with Ja having the shoulder surgery and Desmond Bain's out for the next six weeks. Um, but this core, which I think most in NBA circles would agree of Ja, Jaron, and Desmond Bain, is among the most promising. It's only played 103 games together. And Jaron's only got two years left on his very team friendly contract uh, after this one. And there are starting to be whispers about what this looks like. Um, for a market like Memphis, I mean, it, isn't this just the cruelty of the NBA, where you can draft well and you can nail it? I mean, you can get a guy like Bain at the end of the first, and you can get lucky with Ja, but you got to have the injury on your luck on your side too, because those guys have only played 103 games together. It seems unfathomable, but it's true.
1: Yeah, no, it's and Jaren looked so good against the Warriors. It was. It, it reminds me, to your point, of their bad luck of of Sam Presti's first sort of compilation of a great young team in Oklahoma City that did make a finals with Durant, Harden Westbrook but couldn't keep them together and, and obviously all, all of those guys eventually went their own way and they just they, they couldn't get it they couldn't get it to work it, and I, I lived in I'm from Iowa with school Missouri and I lived I kept working south and I lived in Little Rock for two years so I spent a lot of time no offense Little Rock in Memphis because Memphis was fun and so I got a soft place in my heart for, for, for that city and I thought I'd be spending a lot of time there, traveling for conference finals and finals over the next two or three or four years, and the injuries. And let's let's be frank, John ja Morant doing stuff he shouldn't have been doing, yep. and, and yep. cutting short his availability at times. Right. It, it, now here's the good news, and I think it's it, it's not it's not all roses and rainbows and puppy dogs, but at least that locker room loves John ja Morant. Right. That's not true for every star. And it's, if Trey Young got suspended for some for, for some for some inappropriate behavior. It would be hard for him to go back to that Atlanta locker room and even be, be seen there. Those guys in Memphis love Ja, and so their window now, right, it's not just win. As I understand it, talking to folks, when Ja comes back next year, they have got to, like, feel like a team that can compete so that Jaron wants to be there, or maybe they can bring in some veterans, guys like – I know they traded for this guy, but Marcus is smart, like, and, and, and try to push through that window because they got to win now because you always got to win now when you can, and, and now is really starting next October, next season. But you're right, that market, and I'm from markets like this, means that if you miss or it goes south, guys will start to leave, guys will start to rethink long-term contracts, and then you're starting over. So it's a very precarious position for the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think the next, you know, 12 and a half months, not this trade deadline but the next trade deadline between now and that moment will be really important.
2: Absolutely. Hey, Bill, great stuff, man. Appreciate it as always, man. Thank you. Thank you
0: Thanks for having me. That's all the time that we have for this episode of The Heat Check. Come back tomorrow for an all-new episode. Check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes which drop unexpectedly like the snow on the trees in my backyard. Do not forget to follow The Heat Check all season. That means download, subscribe, please tell your friends, even the fox living in the bamboo grove behind the woodpile that you named De'Aaron. Say, hey, De'Aaron Fox. Tell you all your friends that Trista has a podcast. And it's dope. Follow us on social at this Check and at Tristacrick on TikTok. And we'll see you next time.